Hey, 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 you're listening to and watching Talk Gnosis, the world's premier show about Gnosticism, the occult, the esoteric, mysticism, the mystical, religion, spirituality, witchcraft, paganism, art, theater, poetry, science fiction, and whatever. I'm trying to make it longer each time. And whatever else we feel uh, uh, about talking about uh, this week. Uh, we have a fantastic show for you tonight with a bunch of new faces. Uh, joining me is guest co-host Jason Memel. I don't know if I'm saying his last name right. I never know. Hello, Jason. How are you? I'll, I'll correct you later. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. And uh, our guest tonight is uh, one of the secret chiefs of occultism, uh, we have Default Friend with us. Uh, Default Friend, hello! Hey! So happy that you could uh, join us tonight to talk about uh, your whole experience with the occult. I have uh, labeled the show Exploring Occultism with Default Friend. But before we jump in, before you get to do your intro, before we talk about all the good stuff, I have to do a little bit of housekeeping, which is which I've never done before at the top of the show, which is please give us money if you can. So that would be patreon.com slash Gnostic. Uh, we do have to pay our studio just to do the show. Uh, the, everybody who works on the show is a broke artist or writer. Uh, we believe that Gnosticism and the occult can change the world, and you're helping spread the light of Gnosticism. I know that these are hard times, but you can donate as little as a dollar per month. So if you do give us that dollar, you get amazing perks in return, like you get the show a week early, uh, and you get to go to either Gnostic Heaven or be reincarnated as a being of your choice. So if you can <laughs> dig out that dollar, that's great. If you cannot dig out that dollar, I understand I'm the world's brokest human being. Uh, you can help us out by sharing the show, sending it to friends that you like, uh, putting it on social media, uh, leaving comments and reviews, subscribing to our YouTube channel, subscribing to us on the podcatcher. So thank you very much. We love you. I love Love you. We have default friend, but I am your default best friend. Uh, okay, so we have the homework done. I am currently in an attic in Nova Scotia. <laughs> you probably don't know where that is. Jason is in Calgary, Alberta. Our producer Jerome is in Chicago. And default friend, where are you? In the Bay Area. Perfect, perfect. So we are spread out all around the continent, and somehow I was able to get the time zones right. Uh, default friend, we'll jump right into it. How do you personally define the term occult? So I didn't, my, my definition of occult actually changed this year. I, did, I realized that it's actually like sort of difficult to define. Um, I, I sort of shifted from believing it was anything sort of supernatural or outside of the mainstream to thinking of it more as, um, you know, it, describing and explaining the world um, with accepting, you know, accepting that there's something beyond our material realm. Like any worldview or any practice that accepts that there's an astral plane or a spiritual, a spirit world. Extremely cool. And and you said that it changed. What was your, your definition before? Just um, so just originally, I just sort of used it as a, you know, a catch all for anything sort of supernatural or having to do with magic. And it's sort of it's expanded a lot um, since then. Amazing. And, and how did you get into occultism? Um, so I feel like this is a story a lot of people have. When I was like, I think I was like eight years old. 
um, I found a, a Silver Ravenwolf book at Walden Books or, you know, uh, Borders, one of these bookstores that doesn't exist anymore. Um, and I got really into Wicca. And I was actually uh, pretty involved in Wicca um, on and off for uh, like 12 years, um, maybe a little longer than that. I was a Wiccan priestess. Um, and I, the coven I was in really discouraged reading for some reason. <laughs> and okay. I think it's because I think it's because, uh, you know, Wicca's syncretic and it takes from so many other faiths and so many other paths. And when I started reading more about the occult, I realized like, oh, you know, there's a lot, there's much more interesting stuff out there. Um, so I left Wicca and, uh, you know, now here I am, I don't really subscribe to any one path right now, but um, I have definitely like a more robust view of things. Yes. That's funny. Uh, Chase and I are actually in a in a lodge that overly encourages reading. So we have <laughs> way too many books that we will never ever get through. And basically, there there's a new one in our lodge chat every day. So uh, yes. So yeah, I, I jokingly refer to it as a fire hose of information. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I could also see as being a reason why some might suggest less reading. <laughs> you know. Yes. I I would say perhaps the the middle way. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe between the extremes of these two groups. Exactly. <laughs> I am, uh, uh, we live in hard times right now. We'll probably get to that. But part of me secretly hopes that the world does end, not in the apocalyptic sense, but in the none of us can leave our house sense, just so I can get through half the books. Uh, maybe a quarter of the books. A quarter of the books that are in that chat. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. Um, Default friend. This is one of the reasons that you're on the show. Uh, tell us about your personal "quote unquote" occult school, like your research project of occult studies. So, um, so I realized, you know, after spending so much time, um, you know, in neo pagan and, and Wiccan spaces, I had so many blind spots. So, what I started doing was, tr like, trying to start from the beginning. Um, and get like a more, you know, a more holistic view of the occult. So what I do is I do like tons and tons of research and I I write it all down in Obsidian, which is similar to Rome Research. It's um like a note-taking tool that's networked. So you can zoom out and see, like if you, if, you know, if you're writing about um, tarot, uh, you can see like, you know, where do all the themes in tarot appear in other occult disciplines? Yeah. Um, so it's been, it's been a slow project um, but you know, it, it's really been able to give me like a bigger picture of things. Uh, I don't stick to any one topic and I'm, I'm not really doing it in any particular order. Um, usually I'll, I'll pick like a scholar that I think is really interesting or like a, you know, a speaker that's really interesting and then just take notes on what they say. Um, and it, you know, it, it shifts day to day, week to week. So it's a, a little bit here, a little bit there. And, and what specifically inspired this project? Like, like it's 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 pretty extensive. You know, you show me a screen cap of of the map, and it's it's basically the new library of Alexandria. <laughs> um, I just, you know, I felt like I I was identifying as an occultist. I, um, you know, I have a huge library of occult and and New Age literature, and I was like, how much do I actually know? Like, what you know, it, it, am I being like a little bit audacious? Like identifying this way. So if I'm going to go out into the world and say I'm an occultist and I, I'm interested in the occult, I may as well, you know, try to learn as much about it as I can. Yes. Oh, and uh, Jason, for uh, uh, for guest hosting, I just want no pressure, but I love the sound of my own voice and I love looking at myself in the camera. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm just, you know, narcissist looking into the reflecting pool and falling right. in love with his own image. That's me 24-7. So feel free to interrupt my melodious voice at any time with any questions or clarifications that you need. You yeah. Jump in there because, uh, again, it's, uh, it's, it's music to my ears. I've I've got some some questions that are kind of congealing as I'm as I'm listening. So, uh, but I'm also uh, honestly there was a couple of things that uh, default mentioned that I'm like I need to take a note of that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So um, default is is this project is it for your own personal and private benefit, or do you see a book or a website or a new cult that you're going to lead or or something else in the future? You know, I don't actually I don't know. Um, I haven't really written about the occult outside of stuff for um, for the coven I was in. Uh, they they wrote a book and I contributed a lot to that book, um, but it's only like available to people in that lineage. Um, yeah, I mean, I I just wanted to learn. I mean, it's just it's it's personal. But if anyone you know wants to jump in or wants to collaborate, I'm like happy to open it up to folks. But yeah, I really just felt like this is a big part of my life, and I don't know how much I actually know about it. Yeah. So in, in terms of how that research like goes, is it, is it sort of a, um, as each crumb leads to another interesting bit, you pursue that bread, uh, that breadcrumb trail basically? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I haven't been super organized with it at all. Um, it's, you know, I'll find someone who I think is interesting and I'll, you know, go through all their work. If, you know, if they're a YouTuber, I'll, I'll watch all their videos or if they're a writer, I'll, you know, I'll read as much of their work as I can find. Um, it's, you know, I, I end up just, going down so many different roads with it hmm yeah Put, well, putting out a don't worry comment not a question Put, yeah. putting out the call for collaborators on the show you should get a couple hundred nerds beating down your door so <laughs> <laughs> um one thing that I just uh hearing that again not not really a comment or maybe a, maybe something to to spark a conversation would be that like one thing i've found is that the rituals that that even that i've practiced or that are considered like beginner level things are are things that the more you do and the more you learn you uncover more and more about so that oh. like there's almost no there's no easy way in other than full immersion if that makes sense and then as you immerse stuff that you you were doing earlier becomes even even more rich if that makes i don't know again if that makes sense um have you found that at all uh, that's a sort of me leading to a question asking you if you agree with me basically <laughs> i yeah i definitely feel um you know when you're an occultist, it has to be your whole life because it's it's not just what you read or the ceremonies or rituals you practice. It's also just a different worldview. So it's, you know, you're, I mean, I think that's a huge part of being an occultist, right? Like you have this sort of pre-modern worldview mm -hmm. in the modern world. So you have to, you know, negotiate that tension. Yeah, precisely. And uh, Jason, I will agree with you. And, and I, I think a lot of people who are perhaps a little bit more advanced in occultism, as well as maybe spirituality in general, have had that that experience. And a great example is, is the famous LBRP, the Lower Banishing Ritual of the Pentagram. You start off, you master that, and you're like, oh, I know what this is all about. And as you grow and learn and read more about it and see how it slots into the wider Go to Dawn system and see how it slots into some wider Kabbalah and see how it affects your practice, you, you loop back around to what is a, a relatively simple practice and is often given as a beginning one. And all of a sudden, there's all these 
these rich pockets and experience to explore with this with this tiny ritual. Um, something else, uh, the, which which I think is sometimes not as flashy and a little bit more stodgy for the occultists out there, is meditation. So there is a problem, which I think perhaps people more like me, you know, narcissistic, middle-aged, middle-class white guys uh, have, which is, you know, I, I am a, a professional mindfulness teacher, right? So, so people have given me money for, for, for me to teach them meditation, which is, which is great because again, I, I like eating and paying rent. So, you know, a couple of years ago, I, I was really in the groove and I'm like, oh, I got this figured out. Am I the next Buddha? And then just deepening <laughs> my meditation practice and looking back and even looking back at, I, I don't want to say that I, I misled anybody, but even looking back at some of the, the advice I gave, I suddenly, you know, discovered a, a rich vein of, of experience and, and understanding. And now I've realized, oh, this is what it's going to be like until I die. <laughs> every year which which at some point you don't want i don't want any more revelations about meditation right but that's yeah. that's not the way it works the more you do the more you understand some things uh sometimes they're painful and sometimes they're cool uh but it's like oh great i'm never going to master this but such is uh existence here on this earth well and there's also like a thing about the word occult like that the often that word is meant to show that there's or it meant to talk about something that is being hidden or obscured or what have you and that like I often find that there's no in a way you're saying about it there being an easy early ritual like with the LBRP there's ultimately no easy early thing that you can do because anything you will do will involve your your guru or your trainer or your whatever going like oh shoot there's this other really important part that i haven't told you about that also connects to 15 other parts yes. you know um uh there's yeah at, at least that that's been i think that's been my experience um i, I think that's a of, common experience yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think we're kind of going a bit of a bit of field here though um yeah. Uh, because I, I think what I was kind of really interested in was that I guess following or asking more about that trail that you've been following default on uh, uh, like the thing, like, as you're saying, you know, you, you sort of, you listen to somebody or you like f watch them on YouTube kind of thing. Uh, what, what is the moment where you leap from that source to a new source? You know, it's, it's hard to say. Um, sometimes it'll be like, I go too hard on one person and I just like sort of sick of their voice. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I, I need to, you know, switch gears. Um, but sometimes it's like they'll mention something and I'll realize, like, I can't really understand what this guy's saying about alchemy without first, you know, like looking more into the landscape of Islamic philosophers. So mm. there's a lot of moments like that. Like, I've realized, yeah. um, you know, I feel like in the mainstream, uh, you know, occult studies really isn't taken seriously, like, in, you know, through an academic lens. But if you want to be like, the most well-rounded occultist there is like you you know you should know latin you should know greek you should know arabic like there's so many things that you can't you're you're limited to if, mm -hmm. if you don't know like i'm i'm not very like mathematically literate and i'm learning that if i you know knew even a little bit of math my occult understanding would be so much broader and so much richer oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's interesting Hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I think even in the, the Lodge chat today, uh, the, the, the Google chat that uh, Jason and I and other Lodge members have, uh, we were talking about, uh, you know, traditions where they really were built for either extremely rich people or renunciants. That is, you have enough money 
where you don't have to worry about doing anything else about occultism all day long, or you live in a shack in the woods and you've given up everything so you can do nothing but the occult all day long. And I think in many ways, that is the model that we have inherited. Um, and that can be kind of frustrating for modern people who have to do modern things and are part of a modern world because, you know, there's only so many hours in a day and I can't learn the mathematics and I can't learn the, the 20 languages and I can't learn this and I can't learn that. So we do have to make do and in some ways bring this material into the modern world as best we can. Um, there's also... Uh, uh, there's also something there too, maybe like because we are a Gnostic podcast and and show <laughs> um, what? about <laughs> what <laughs> the uh, about like I think following uh, like again because I'm I'm just really fascinated by default's process here that like there's a, that sense of following inspiration or also following like listening to those moments when inspiration has faded perhaps or shifted on a on a subject yeah. um, that just yeah like the sort of I guess. Is, is it kind of like an inner listening? Like I am kind of, I'm, I think I'm kind of done here or I'm, I think I'm good here. I mean, I don't think I'm, I've reached a point with any one topic where I'm truly finished. I mean, I think I'm probably finished with like contemporary neo-paganism and Wicca. I think that's the only you know place where I'm like, I've learned everything that is going to be useful to me that I feel like is going to enrich my worldview. Mm -hmm. um, but there's just, I mean, there's just so much stuff. I, you know, it goes back to like what I was saying, like, it's a, it's a worldview, right? Like, it's not like occultism isn't a hobby. It's like a full, mm -hmm. it's a full worldview. And that's, you know, that's part of why it's so robust. Like, you can't just say like, oh, you know, I'm going to my day job and then I'm going to, you know, go to my coven or go to the lodge or, you know, however mm -hmm. it manifests for you. It's like you, when you wake up, when you go to bed, no matter where you are, you need to be viewing the world this way. And I think that's, you know, why it feels like there's so many things you need to do to be a, a well-rounded occultist because it's it's a full it's a full lifestyle change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, amen to that. Mm -hmm. um, default. What's the most surprising thing that you've discovered through this project, not before, uh, about the occult and occultism? Probably that um, you know I, I was previous to this sort of viewing it as like this separate thing. Um, you know, this separate category, but, you know, seeing that it's, you know, it's not religion, it's not science, it's, it's sort of, it's both. Um, it exists in between these two things. Um, and if you, you know, to like I was just saying, like to be a true occultist, it has to touch everything you do and how you think, no matter, you know, what you're thinking about. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, the, the, I first discovered you through Twitter, um, a horrible website that I spend way too much time on, <laughs> but it has made some beautiful things like this happen. So uh, you, the best flowers grow out of manure. Uh, on on Twitter, I, I see that, that you have talked about and discussed uh, occultism with people. So this is something that, that you're interacting with the public about. What are some of the major misconceptions about occultism that you've personally encountered? Oh my God. I actually recently had a situation that like bugged the shit out of me. Uh, I was in um, like a voice chat with a bunch of strangers and in my bio on the app I was on, it says that I'm an occultist oh. and people started asking me, uh, you know, what that meant. And I, you know, I sort of explained the project I'm doing and a little bit about my background and everyone was like, that's so spooky, you know, like that scares me. And I, it's just like, I think there's this, like even with like educated people, um, 
who aren't like conservative, who aren't coming from the Bible belt or anything. Like there's no uh, preconceptions like that. There's this idea that occultists are practicing like quote unquote black magic, that they're manipulating things only to um, their benefit. And it comes off as malicious. Um, And it's so weird because we, you know, I feel like every, you know, 40 years or something, right? There's like an occult renaissance and these themes keep coming up and there's still this sort of like very, backwards antiquated view of like oh you're a witch and you know it's like all the different categories sort of meld into one and it's always viewed as just spooky or wrong somehow and it it, it kind of floors me it's like you're opening up your co-star app and you're making decisions for your day based on you know some algorithmic astrology and i'm basically studying history um just through <laughs> you know different lens and like suddenly i'm the bad guy yeah yeah, exactly. Now, uh, you mentioned that you know, every 40 years or so, we get an occult revival. We seem to be in the middle of one right now. Why do you think in this time and place we are seeing this resurgence in popularity in occultism? I think it's a few things. Um, I think part of it is, uh, you know, as we lose community, um, pe- you know, people are very disenchanted. And I do think, you know, sort of the foundation of the occult is an en- enchanted worldview. Um, I think people, you know, as you lose, you lose religion, um, or you lose other forms of spirituality, you want something that's, that's magical, that's, uh, you know, that touches the unknown. Um, it, it, you know, in our day to day life, there's not a lot of room for, you know, what's beyond the veil, what else is out there. So people sort of fall into this, like, hokey, sort of version of occultism, uh, you know, that's a little bit more marketable. Um, but I think they're really searching for that enchantment. I also think that um, if you see like the different types of occultism that you know that have become more popular and the types of people who are gravitate gravitating towards it, it's people who need something to identify with. Um, you know, like astrology gets a lot of shit, but like it's you know if you don't feel like you can identify as an American or you don't feel comfortable, um, you know, identifying in another way or you don't feel connected to maybe a local community, it, there is a lot of comfort in saying, well, well, I'm a Pisces and this is what it means to be a Pisces. And then here are, you know, the further nuances of my, my birth chart. Um, it's, you know, it, it's so much, it's a lot of comfort and it's, it's a way to learn about yourself in a time that's very chaotic and that's very alienating. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that is exactly right. Uh, and it, it, I like to think of it as perhaps hopefully some sort of outreach from the other side because there is sort of an opening um you know the world is particularly messed up people are particularly uh, alone uh community has been shredded i am hoping that there is a bit of an inbreaking i don't want to get too new age light worky uh light worker e uh with that <laughs> uh fingers crossed it might just be a delusion but i am hoping that the, the other side is uh taking advantage of this extremely uh harsh time to 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 get on in so i i am waiting for the Barbello satellite to beam down the pink beam right into my head and help me out to cope with this world. Uh, okay, you know, go for that, it, Jason. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna uh, interrupt your your pink pink beam there for a moment to say uh, one thing that strikes me too about uh, what you were saying. Like I I, I uh, gravitated towards the word disenchanted uh, that you used earlier, mm-hmm. default, and I think this kind of is. I'm jumping ahead, I think, but. Um, 
we one thing that uh, John already already has noted before I think the show started is that actually all three of us have uh, extensive theater experience and then like mm. other people involved in the show previously or otherwise have uh, theater experience. Um, so I, I, I guess I would like to, I'd like to interestingly maybe shift into that notion of like the occult magic art narrative, how all of that, this is a big hobby horse of mine, uh, how that does end up filling a space that might, the people feel is a, is perhaps an absence. Um, so, I mean, I feel like I've opened a can of worms, but I don't have a solid question there. Um, <laughs> uh, is there anything anything in that that like uh, that you gravitated towards in terms of what I just just listed there default? Um, yeah, I mean, I have a lot to say. I don't know where to to start. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting. the The best rituals I've ever been a part of or even observed are, uh, you know, facilitated by you know ex theater kids or people who are somehow involved in theater. Um, mm -hmm. I do think there's mm -hmm. there's a lot of performance involved in ritual. Um, I mean, it's 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 funny because a lot of a lot of a uh, you know occult traditions are a form of theater. Um, you know, you take a magical name, you you wear a, a costume. Um, if you're invoking a deity, there's you know a certain amount of theater there, um, and I think it shows you know how powerful. And you know, stepping into these other worlds and these other narratives can be, and it's not just it's not just play or imagination. You're you're shifting into something real. Mm -hmm. um, it's like you know, like when you're watching a play and you really feel you're in that world. Like, is there something magical happening there? Is it more than just, um, you know, is it more than just like these people are good actors or the sets are really convincing? Is there a magical shift that happens? Uh, I mean, this gets me thinking about how sad it is that people's like attention spans have kind of um, shortened because like you don't really get that with movies anymore, not because movies aren't good, but because people aren't paying attention well enough to enter enter that space where they're almost in like a trance, like really buying into the story that's unfolding before them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I uh, this is another hobby horse of, of mine, so I will yes and on this. Um, the the connections specifically between between theater and occultism are are quite strong. Uh, the way back in history, uh, the roots of theater uh, in the West lie in with the Greeks, and there's a strong connection between the so-called mystery cults, who did these very elaborate rituals in the middle of the night, and the theater. So mm -hmm. a lot of the mystery cult rituals, which were a kind of a of a of a play that changed your consciousness, were were a huge influence on on the development of theater. And then much later, uh, when we talk about some of the revivals in occultism, you know, in the, the first Fr French occult uh, revival, uh, they, they were all theater nerds. <laughs> so, you know, they all had strong connections to the theater. They were actors, they were actresses, they were directors, they were what have you. And same thing with the, the so-called second occult revival at the end of the 1800s, both in, in France and in England. Uh, so there, there's powerful connections between the two. Uh, the, another great example is Aleister Crowley, who uh, did uh, kind of get his message out by hosting plays uh, all around London and all around the world of, with occult themes. Uh, uh, not, not to mention probably playing a certain role uh, yes. just to get attention. 
Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That 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 sort of uh the, he had a th- theatrical flair in, in a very literal mm. way <laughs> where <laughs> where I think he did sit down and, and, and Jason's not speaking metaphorically was was yeah. thinking of his theater experience and is is I'm going to go out there and act. I'm I'm going to play this role of the wickedest man in the world <laughs> to, to get attention, but not just for himself, but to to get his message out. Um J- Jason is based in uh Calgary, Alberta people out there if you don't know where that is that's fine you also don't have to know where nova scotia is but uh the 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 flema uh group that was in alberta for a long time what they worked as was uh in edmonton they were a a theater troupe so they used to do play they used to do plays in the in the in the parks in edmonton uh and then after you watch the play for free you know maybe you get a pamphlet being like you know come and drink your own cum or whatever it is that the the flea mix do um (laughs) but it was an outreach program uh but it was also very authentic right because i did see the theater that they were doing as as a form of magic and i know a lot of people who are watching and listening if you are a theater person then you have the only way to describe it, and I don't want to get too cheesy, is magic, right? When, they, when everything goes, when you're in the flow, it, it does feel magical. And it's the same thing for the audience. It's just like Default was saying, you uh, suspension of disbelief. It's You're no longer sitting uh, on a in an uncomfortable seat at 8 o'clock at night uh, in, in a cramped room, right? You are transported somewhere else in a barely metaphorical way. Um, so that's that's just my yes ending. Um, Jason default uh, continue to go off king. <laughs> continue to go off queen uh, about the the connections between between uh, art and the esoteric because uh, as Jason and I have talked about many times, but you know you default and the audience have not been there. Uh, I actually suspect what we call magic and imagination are closely linked to what is known as magic and the occult that they might be the, the same thing. Uh, what do you folks think about that? Well, I've got a ton of thoughts, but but this the show isn't necessarily about <laughs> about John and Jason <laughs> talking about this. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so yeah, I, I'll I'll let let uh, default jump in there. I've got maybe some lead up questions for her as well. Um, well I, I think that there is a, a difference between, um, you know, your like pure imagination, and then you know, when you use visualization to see or access something like you might in a ritual or, you know, while performing, you know, something magical. Um, but they're similar skills. Uh, you know, as, as, you, as you guys know, like visualization is, is one of the things that you really have to have a strong foundation in uh, with almost any magical practice. Uh, so, you know, same with meditation. Um, mm. But I, you know, I don't, I, Oh, oh no! That's okay. I, I can. We're not. Uh, we don't have anybody live watching the show tonight because of uh, things like this happening. So I can actually okay. edit this part out. So okay, I, I think it's going pretty good. What do you think, Jason? I think so too. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um. Uh. Yeah. I have a lead-up question to to what she was saying there. So. Perfect. Uh, I was I was priming you two for uh, both of you for a rant because we're running. Well, we have twenty <laughs> minutes left, and I'm like, oh, okay, the question the question sheet is getting down there. So um, <laughs> yeah. let me just dig up default here. I have her on Telegram, and just make sure that uh, that everything is okay. Oh, Telegram, right? That's like another another chat one, isn't it? Yep. Um, yeah, it's another encoded uh, encoded chat. So, oh. oh, there went there she went. 
And is Jerome still in the background there? Oh, he's there. I'm still here. <laughs> yeah. There we go. There we go. Jerome, who's getting his education in the occult um, <laughs> every every time he does this show. Um, uh, yeah, where did we lose you? you? Back? What, what was the last thing you heard? Okay, you probably should start over, and then that makes it easy. Don't worry, well, we, we can edit, right? So, yeah, and I think yeah. I think the last thing, uh, like I'd basically kind of teed things up there, and you were saying that there is a there is a difference between say like general art inspiration, uh, imagination, and like focused visualization intention. I think that was kind of what I around where it left off. Sure. So yeah, I I, I expanded to say that I think it's sort of similar to the difference um, when you're using a pendulum. It can be you're contacting your higher self or you, you're contacting the spirit world. Um, and you know, it either depends on your intention or you know, your beliefs around pendulums. But I think the distinction between you know, using your imagination and then visualizing to access um, you know, another plane is like a similar, it's, it, seem, it, it seems very closely related, but they're, they're distinct when you sort of get down to it. Hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. It uh, a, a visualization that occurred to me. Speaking of visualizations, was that uh, it strikes me that there's like, you know, there's a, <laughs> I don't know, maybe this isn't the best example, but it's the first one that popped up. Is like there's accidentally being struck by lightning, uh, and then there's like intentionally building, uh, you know, like a, a a lightning rod to try to capture that lightning, um, and that maybe the the occult tools are have been like specifically designed and honed in that direction. Um, versus like, versus those works maybe of art that are lightning bolts, but they're not in, but you know, they, there's a, a missing intention there. Like it wasn't, fo it wasn't intentionally made for that purpose. I don't know. If, does that make sense? Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I, 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 I'm going to steal that and say that I came up with it because I, I think you are spot on, Jason. Oh. Uh, and, and yeah, <laughs> that, that is a very good way of explaining it. And, and I think people do accidentally create magic through, through art. But when you are actually channeling those energies, that imagination, those visualizations, that inspiration, that contact with the higher self, how much more powerful uh, is it? Um, I think... Oh, Sorry, just because I want to run with this a bit further Please. again, just to hear people bounce off of this. But like, is is it also possible that maybe some forms of art still retain some of their occultism simply through the the pieces that have remained? Like the thing with theater is that we have to rehearse for weeks at a time the same words over and over again to put ourselves in a particular place, uh, and then the audience comes knowing that that work has been done. That the, j just all of that, like extra context creates a, a slightly more uh, like honed visualizing experience versus reading a novel where you like maybe feel a little more distant from that, from that experience. It does, it's, it may be very focused and formal, but not as rehearsed as repetitive. Like the, the, the notion of something being repeated, I think perhaps, I don't know. I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm spitballing here to see if any of this lands with you guys. I think it depends. Um, less on the the art form and more on who's involved with it because mm. mm -hmm. um, i you know there's something about like poetry that's very magical to me um mm -hmm. but you know i would say that there's a difference you know the individual poets come with diff you know different amounts of magic um you know i'm thinking of some like more contemporary poetry which is good and like hits at something real but you can feel it's disembodied and a little bit 
disaffected and I don't see that as um, you know, like a magical work. Uh, mm-hmm. But then you you'll you know you'll read uh, Keats or something, and it's it's clearly like there's there's something else there. There's some there's some spirit in in that work, and I and I, I don't think it's just you know a matter of my preference. I think you could really feel it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think you are onto something there, uh, and. For me as well, for both art and the occult, I, I don't self-describe with the term uh, magician or sorcerer. Yeah, I'd like to be a little bit more pretentious and say theurgist. I, I'm a theurgist. <laughs> um, the, you know, in theurgy, the point is transcendence. And there is lots of art that is transcendent and can lift you up to mm-hmm. a transcendent state. So, uh, and, and and obviously that will vary from person to person, right? Because we are all different. We have different brains. There's going to be different triggers. But I, I think that there is also a lot of what passes for art that is, that is not transcendent and is not trying to be transcendent and is not mm-hmm. going to uplift barely anybody to a state of transcendence. Is that making sense at all? Totally. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, this this is a great thing about having a podcast about about things that actually can't be verbalized. So, <laughs> hey, does this well, make sense? Yeah, no, kind of. Yeah. Oh, words have a limit. Well, like I I think like what you kind of pointed to something about intention there. Uh, like yeah. that you know if when when somebody is is artistically intending some kind of transcendence or some kind of exploration, it's going to be more primed maybe than than like the latest iteration of the Transformers franchise, which you can tell all they're trying to do is make money, you know, <laughs> through yes. a, through an art form, but still like there's a, it's a different intention. There's no transcendence necessary. Uh, uh, also, uh, quick side note, I'm going to call you a theaturgist. Oh, <laughs> I will, I will ask Jerome to, to load up, uh, to, to have, to have a drum and drumsticks, uh, uh, handy in the future. So there we go. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can edit it. I can edit it in the rib shot though. Uh, yeah, thank you. I think that is a good point going back to both what you and default are talking about intention because I, I think in general, both artists and, I hate to use this word, consumers, have have lost a sense that art can and should be, in my opinion, transcendent, right? This is pretty common until the 20th century, the late 20th century, that a lot of, particularly poets, but, you know, painters, the, the artists of all stripes, their point was transcending. Um, and that has, I think, uh, sometimes been viewed as pretentious or uh, has gotten in the way of making money. Um, default and and jason as well mm-hmm. how do you understand but default first <laughs> how do you understand the relationship between and uh for those at home who are listening and not watching on youtube but you should watch on youtube and subscribe uh the relationship between <laughs> here comes the air quotes religion quote unquote and the occult quote unquote i think um i get it's a hard question i think um the occult is a little bit more than religion, mm-hmm. um, just in terms of like how broad it is. Um, you know, like I think that there are some like occult disciplines um, that are compatible with major world religions. Uh, it's, I mean, it, it's a, it's sort of a difficult, uh, a difficult question to answer, especially in contemporary times, because it, it feels like religion. Uh, science and then how you feel and experience the world are three separate things when mm-hmm. an occult worldview would sort of marry all three and there is mm-hmm. no difference between the three. 
Yeah, I think that is, uh, I'm going to steal that as well if anybody ever asked me that question. So, <laughs> man, yeah. I'm, geez, I'm getting a lot smarter and better spoken thanks to this podcast. Not better looking, however, but podcast <laughs> podcasts can't do everything for you. Okay, we're we're in the home stretch. Before I ask the, the wrap-up questions, Jason, do you have any more rabbit holes to, to go down? Uh, well, I, just in response to that answer, I just want to say ditto, you know, uh, yes, a hundred percent, um, uh, that it, it is really like, uh, going back to something you mentioned earlier about, uh, default about alchemy. It's like, it, there is definitely a, uh, an intentional mixing, I think that happens as an occultist where you are kind of, it's like everything is a Wikipedia and you are, you're building links between everything, you know, um, uh, but the other the question I did want to ask, I don't know if we've got how much time we've got for it. Yeah, but, um, go for it. In terms of pursuit, like how much do you find then that the uh, the specifically occult stuff that you're studying then feeds into um, uh, not specifically occult artistic or creative works? Um, I don't know if it in informs the the subject matter as much, but. Um, it definitely like informs how I, you know, how I write, um, how I create art. Um, I, I won't, I won't get into too many specifics, but I feel like um, there's always been sort of a close link uh, between my occult interest and you know what I think the purpose of my art is, or mm. you know how I feel I'm inspired, or what I think it's doing or accomplishing. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, it, it's it's definitely it's definitely affected the way I, I view history. Um, the way I, I think of science, um, the way I sort of, you know, digest the world around me is definitely like very colored by this occult interest. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I think that's, that's a great answer. Um, and I think it, it, it couldn't not in a way. Um, yeah, that, yeah. That, that was my rabbit hole. That was a, that's it. Okay. Let's crawl back out into the light. <laughs> uh, default friend, what is your default wisdom advice project? Oh, so I, I used to have, um, when I moved to the Bay Area, like one thing I w was hearing all the time was that it was a very lonely place. It was very difficult to make friends. Um, There's nothing to do. And, you know, to be frank, I just didn't believe people. So I created this events list and I would host events just, I mean, partially to meet people and, and make friends um, cause, because I was new to the area, but also sort of to prove to people that they just like weren't trying hard enough. Um, so that then when, you know, COVID happened and I was a little bit more paranoid than most about uh, COVID transmission and I was really going hard on the hermit thing, I was like, I want to repurpose this newsletter. Um, so originally it was me and a friend who is, a, you know, a very like, he's very, very good at giving advice, but unfortunately he got too busy for it. And I was like, you know what, fuck it, it's a lot of fun. So I guess I'll just um, I'll just do it myself. But it, it started off as like, I was giving a, a friend of mine a platform to do something that he was good at, he wanted to write more. Um, and it, it's kind of too bad that his participation sort of fell apart with it. Okay. And uh, and if we wanted to sign up for this newsletter, how, how could we? Uh, just go to defaultfriend.substack.com. That's defaultfriend.substack.com. And I uh, I mentioned that, uh, that fortunately we've got this awesome show. It is almost over. I'm sad because it was super awesome. Uh, I discovered you um, uh, again in, in hell uh, on the bad website, <laughs> twitter.com. If people wanted to find you on twitter.com, where would they find you? Default underscore friend. 
Fantastic. And uh, we do live in a very messed up world, so if you need help out there, well, there's an advice columnist just waiting for your questions. Okay, home stretch. I have to pump the Patreon one more time. That's patreon.com slash Gnostic. Again, I know that these are particularly hard times, and there's lots of good causes out there. If you literally have one solo dollar, uh, throw it at us. If you can't, there's lots of ways to help out. Just share the show, thumbs up the show, like the show, subscribe to the show, tell your friends about the show put your show on social media that would be incredibly awesome uh jason mabel do you have anything to plug uh hmm uh well i've got a theater company but unless you live in calgary it might be less applicable to you although actually some of the work we're making due to covid might be able to be consumed anywhere so uh sage theater is the theater company that i run and you can find us on sagetheater.com or uh, on all the socials. Um, uh, and, uh, and then me, you can find me at my own, uh, uh, my sort of hub at jasonmemmel.com. Um, and then that's got access to the comics that I make and the, uh, it'll, it'll take you to Sage Theater as well. And all the other projects that I've got going on. Uh, do I have time for a quick follow-up question with default? Yeah, yeah, we got we got seven big minutes. Go for it. Oh, okay, cool. Um, well, so yeah, so we we've plugged the newsletter. One thing, if uh, or the Substack is, uh, so if people are coming from this show and they're wanting specifically to ask advice about the occult, is this is that a place where that can happen or on Twitter? Yeah, um, I would love to have occult questions on the newsletter. Right now, it's um, I'm also like somehow for some reason like. I have a lot of tech followers. Um, so I feel like most of the questions I get are from people who found me through tech Twitter. So it would mm. be really cool and really fun to um, have a different, you know, a different kind of question come through. Okay. Uh, so a follow question on that is that I don't think we've even touched your, do you have a tech background? Is that a, is that another part of the thing that we haven't even, of your biography we haven't, we haven't even looked at? <laughs> um, I'm, so I, I work in tech. And I, I live in the Bay Area, so it's sort of impossible to escape. <laughs> True enough. <laughs> okay, uh, we'll we'll leave that there for now. Um, the other question, maybe that I have is: so the the research project or your own sort of research project is that a thing that you were doing like semi publicly, or can people see the work that you're that you're writing, the notes that you're taking, that kind of thing? It's offline, but if anyone wants to download Obsidian, um, I could send them the files, and they could. Uh, they could look through it. Okay. Okay, cool. I just wasn't sure if that was a, uh, it was a question I meant to ask much earlier, but I just wasn't sure if that, <laughs> how, how, how public that project was. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to share it with whoever's interested. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, those were my follow-up questions. Uh, okay. John, did you have any more? I, I do, but uh, we got to wrap it up. Uh, to lift up the, the curtain behind the Great Oz, we're actually doing two back-to-back -back shows this evening. So we can't oh. run long. We have another guest coming up. Uh, so sorry to reveal some of our trade secrets. Uh, I'm sure we could go on all night, and that would be that would be amazing. But Default Friend, thanks again. This was an awesome show. I'm sure everybody out there is going to be very excited about the Substack and about the project. So thanks again. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It was really fun. Cool. Okay, so from an attic in rural Nova Scotia, <laughs> I'm Deacon Jonathan Stewart signing off. <laughs> Good night, everybody. I love you. I hope you Bye. love me too. <laughs>